is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. <laughs> Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. We now rejoin today's message already in progress. The word was from God to prepare the elements and the items for a covenant ceremony. Was Abram willing to wait on God? Are you willing to wait on God? Abram could have easily said, Ah, the heck with it. I've been here all day long as hot, tired, as thirsty. I did everything God told me to do, and then he fails to show up. The birds are coming now to eat the carcasses. I keep shooting them away. They keep coming back. It's getting late. It's going to be dark soon. Oh, well, I guess God just forgot about me. Woe is me, all that. He could have done that. A lot of people do that today. Amen. What do you mean, Brother Bob? Well, how many of you have had a word from the Lord? concerning your ministry or your finances or whatever issue, your health, whatever issue you took before God in prayer and acted on and stood on in faith. If God told you to sow this amount of money into that ministry and you did it by faith, believing you were going to receive a harvest on that seed sown, but it's been a while now and you still haven't seen the harvest, whatever the issue is that you've been praying about and waiting on, if God hasn't shown up yet, You just want to give up. Well, I tried that faith stuff all week long and it didn't work. I guess I'll go over here, do this or that, and and just provide for myself. Now you're relying on you rather than waiting on God. Wait on God to show up. Amen? He will. When the time is right, He will show up. Amen? When God shows up, He shows up. Hallelujah. In verse 12, It says, when the sun went down, glory to God, when the light left, when the sun went down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and a horror of great darkness fell upon him. Now, I don't know if you know what dark really is. In this verse, I believe the writer is trying to convey to us just how dark it was. It was so dark, it was a horror. What does that really mean? means you get scared. Think about what a horror movie is. It scares you, amen? I don't go to those kinds of movies anymore. There was a time when I would, but I've discovered that it opens a door to demons to enter into your life, and I refuse to give them that opportunity, amen? But I've been in situations when I was in the military 
where it was so dark, literally I could not see my hand in front of my face. I could not see the person in front of me because we were walking on patrol. Literally, you could not see six inches in front of your face. I had my buddy in front of me hold the barrel of my rifle while I held the sling at the stock. I couldn't see him. That rifle's only about three foot long. It's less than that, I believe. So we were only about two feet apart, but I couldn't see him and he couldn't see me. It was that dark. That, I believe, is how dark it was when Abram was here. Because he had no reference to anything around him. He couldn't see cactus or weeds. He couldn't see the, the carcasses of the animals. He couldn't see anything. It was so dark, he was starting to get scared. That's complete darkness. That's a horror of darkness. Amen? And then in verse 13 through 16, God speaks to Abram. Now, it's still dark. Abram can't see anything. But then he hears God speak. Oh, glory to God. You want to talk about scared? You don't know where that voice is coming from? But then he realized, hey, if it's God here, I ain't got nothing to be scared of. Amen. I don't have to be afraid of anything. I think he then prayed to God and said, okay, I believe what you're telling me, God. Let's read what the Lord promised him. And it's in uh, 16, verses 13 to 16. And he said to Abram, Know of a surety that your seed shall be a stranger in a land that's not theirs, and they shall serve them, and they shall afflict them for 400 years. And also that nation whom they shall serve, I will judge. Afterward, they'll come out with great substance. You'll be going to your fathers in peace, and you shall be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they'll come here again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Amen. Then in verse 17, suddenly, God shows up. And Abram sees what he could only describe as a burning lamp that was smoking like a furnace, passing between the elements of the covenant. I believe Abram even seen the footsteps of the Lord in that blood. Amen? Because in verse 18, the very next verse, it says, That same day, <laughs> that same day, as far as Abram was concerned, he was in covenant with God. Amen? Abram knew what a covenant meant. He had seen God enter into covenant with him. He'd heard the promises of the covenant. He knew he had a covenant that could never be broken because God himself said so. Amen. Glory to God. You and I have that same kind of covenant. We have it in the blood of Jesus, a covenant that cannot be broken if you will only believe. I believe you need to visualize Jesus on that cross for you. Until you do, you only have head knowledge of the sacrifice he made on that cross. But when you actually see him die on that cross, when you see him being beaten because of you, when you see him suffering because of you, only when you visualize that can you appreciate what he did for you. Amen? So after Abram sees God enter into this covenant, God then speaks again to Abram. And enlarges the promise. In verses 18 to 21, amen, Abram had a blood covenant that could not be broken. It was between man, a man, Abram, and God. And Abram was that man. 
Amen. This meant that all Abram had or would have was to be committed to God. Because that's what the covenant says. All I have is yours. All you have is mine. If God asked for it, he was going to give it. It also meant that God would always provide for Abram and protect him. Glory to God. So ten more years go by. And still Abram does not have this baby that he's been promised by God. He continues to try and have the baby with Sarah. And I'm not going to get too graphic here, but the birth of Isaac was not going to be an immaculate conception. Amen. There had to be this physical activity involved between Aram and Sarai to try to bring it to pass. But despite 10 years of trying to have a baby, there's still nothing. One day, Abram's coming back from town or from out in the field or whatever. Sarai's sitting there outside the tent. and She sees that look in his eye. She comes up with another plan. Genesis 16, verses 1 for 4, we can read it. Basically, Sarah says, uh, look, Abe, I know that you think God talked to you. Okay. And I know you believe God said you're going to have a child to be your heir. Okay. But, you know, I've been praying, and I think it may not be by me that you're going to have this baby. How about I give you to my servant girl, Hagar, here, and you go have a baby by her, and then we can raise it as our own. How does that sound? Abram looks at, at this time, 77-year-old Sarai, looks over at this young, pretty servant girl, and looks back at Sarai, and says, are you sure? She says, oh yeah, I think this is what God wanted for you all along. And Abram looks back at Hagar, back at Sarai, back at Hagar, and says, sounds like God to me. And in he goes. And the result is an Ishmael. Ishmael means compromise. And the question I have for you today is how many Ishmaels do you have in your house? Oh, I know I stepped on some spiritual toes there. Glory to God. How many Ishmaels do you have in your house? How many compromises do you have evident in your house? It could be something as simple as the TV you watch at night. You know God wants you to have a TV so you can watch Christian programming on TV and, and stay up with current events on the news. But instead of waiting on God to provide the money for you to buy a TV with cash, you went out and bought it on credit. Or that car that you drive around, a nice car. I seen a nice car one time with a license plate that read, Prayed For. A year or so later, the guy lost his job and they had to downsize their budget. And he's driving around an older car, a used car. I say, hey, what happened to that other car? He said, oh, I had to sell it. I couldn't afford the payments anymore. I didn't say anything, but that meant he was lying about his license plate because he didn't have a car that was prayed for. You know what I mean. Now, I'm not saying that if you need to borrow the money to buy a car or buy a house, that it's a sin. I'm not saying that at all. It's only a sin if you never intend to finally pay for it. Many people today buy a house with a 30-year mortgage and then after 10 or 15 years living it, they borrow out the equity of the house and enter into more debt. You know what I'm talking about. Or they buy a car on credit, they have a 5 or 6 year loan and about 3 years into it, they roll it over, roll the balance over into a new loan on a new car. They never get out of debt. I'm driving around a 10-year-old car right now that I bought brand new. And I enjoy not having payments, amen? We paid it off early, and we keep up with the maintenance, and it continues to run. Glory to God. 
I used to be like the previous example where we'd roll over the the balances of new cars every couple of years, but I learned from my mistakes, amen. And I'm not saying this in condemnation to anyone, but to try and help someone, amen. This is a word in due season for somebody listening today, amen. Anyway, with back with the story here with Abram, Ishmael's born. And when Ishmael's born, God does not speak to Abram for 13 more years. Abram decided he would make the promises of God to come to pass. So God just waited until it was completely impossible for Abram to make his parts work and impossible for Sarah to make her parts work. Amen? In Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 and 2, God appears to Abram again. Remember, this is a physical appearance. Amen? Abram was 99 years old. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am Almighty God. Amen. He shows up in this physical appearance and Abram's like, Hey God, where you been? It's been 13 years. I thought you forgot all about me. But God is not pleased. When God speaks, I can envision his words being delivered in a uh, what could be described as a terse Loud, command type of voice like this. I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And then I'll make my covenant between you and I. And I will multiply you exceedingly. Because the next verse says Abraham or Abram falls on his face. I believe in repentance before God. Reverence to God. God's voice was so loud and so powerful, so authoritative that Abram knew he was wrong. And fell on the ground in reverence and repentance. And then in verses 4 and 5, God continues to speak. So as for me, behold, my covenant is with you. You shall be a father of many nations. Therefore, your name shall not be Abram anymore. Your name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations I have made you. Then God also changes Sarai's name to Sarah in verses 15 and 16. It says, And then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai anymore. Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her. And she will give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her. She shall be the mother of nations. Kings of people shall come from her. In other words, God changed their names to match the vision that he had for them. Amen. He changed their names from Abram, which means exalted father, to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. God changed Sarah's name from, uh, from Sarah, which means princely, to Sarah, which means mother of princes. Glory to God. Now every time they call their, each other's names, they're speaking the vision. Hallelujah. And as a token of the covenant that God has made with Abraham and his descendants, God asked that Abraham make a commitment to him. He tells Abraham, circumcise every male child in your household, slaves and all. Abraham makes an unqualified commitment to the plan of God and circumcises every male child in his household, the Bible says in verse 23 here, on the same day. The same day God spoke to him, he did it. He did it in obedience. Amen? This caused the spilling of blood by every male child in Abraham's house. Abraham's entire household was now in covenant 
with Almighty God. This covenant bound Abraham and his descendants by personal blood sacrifice to Jehovah God. Amen. And it bound God to Abraham and to his seed by the same solemn token. Amen. When God cut the covenant with Abraham, that's when the Israelite nation came into being right there. Glory to God. The entire people of Abraham, the Israelites, were now part of the Abrahamic covenant as long as they continued to use the mark of the covenant to circumcise every male child at eight days of age. This mark on their bodies was to be a continual reminder to them they have a personal contract, a personal covenant with Almighty God. Amen. It was not an outward marking. It wasn't something they could go around showing people. It was personal. Just as your covenant relationship with Jesus Christ has to be personal in nature. Amen. In Genesis chapter 18, we see how God respects the covenant that he made with Abraham. We don't know how much time has passed, but once again, God makes a physical appearance to Abraham. And this time he sits down and eats a meal that Abraham prepares for him. And during their conversation, God again reminds Abraham about the promise he was going to have a son. He mentions that Sarah will receive or will conceive a son. Now Sarah's in the tent. She's not part of the, the sit-down meal. But she's paying attention and she's listening, eavesdropping on the conversation. When God says Sarah will conceive a son, Sarah laughs. Verse 13. Just as Abraham laughed at the initial promises of God back in Genesis 17, 17. But God confirms what he has said and then promises them in verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you and according to the time of life Sarah shall have a son. After that we see how God and his angels are going to go now to Sodom and destroy it if they find out that the sin there is what they have come to believe. But God asked the angels, shall I hide from Abraham that thing that I'm about to do? You see, Abraham, in covenant with God as a man, has the ability to intercede on man's behalf to God. And Abraham stands on that covenant responsibility and intervenes between God and the citizens of Sodom. And God's honoring everything Abraham asks him. He's willing to, to, okay, if I can find 50 righteous, I won't do it. If I can find you know 30 righteous, if I can find 10 righteous, I won't destroy the city. And Abraham stops. He could have gotten God to say, if I can find one person there, I'll forgive the whole town. But Abraham didn't do it. He stopped at 10. He's figured there's got to be at least 10 righteous souls down there. If he'd have gone to five, the city would have been spared. Because, I mean, Lot's family could have made up that, but he didn't do that. Anyway, that's the not the subject of this sermon, and we can cover that another day. What I want to introduce here, and we'll cover more of it next time, we might have time to get through it today. We'll see. I want to go into the offering of Isaac on the altar of sacrifice. This is where the covenant really comes into being. In Genesis chapter 22, God speaks to Abraham. Remember, there's a covenant between them. 
Abraham, Abraham has become known now as the richest man in the area. Everything he touches is blessed and prosperous. Isaac's been born to him when he was 100 years old. Sarah was 90. They carry that boy into town and show him off. Amen. God's fulfilled everything Abraham has asked him to do. He's blessed. And now God asks something of Abraham. This has never happened before. But Abraham, in covenant with God, has a responsibility. He knows all he has is because God blessed him. And he's promised God he's going to use it to serve him. And now God says, will you give me your son as a sacrifice? Abraham understands what a blood sacrifice is for. It's to cover sin in your life. He's learned this from his ancestors, though it was not practiced in his house. Joshua 24.2 says that Abraham's father served other gods, but they knew what a blood sacrifice was for. And Abraham understands what God's asking him. He's in covenant with God. That means God has honored everything Abraham has set his hand to do. God's always been there for him, protected him, provided for him, never asking Abraham for anything. But now... God says, and he just doesn't ask for an animal sacrifice. He's asking for the most precious thing Abraham has. The most precious possession Abraham has. He says, do you love me or this son more than the covenant? His son, the promised son, is what God asks for. This is a huge, huge deal. Abraham could have used his covenant standing and argued with God, but he would have been out of line in the covenant agreement. Because in the covenant agreement, whatever God asks for, Abraham's supposed to provide. He could have told God, you're asking me too much, I refuse, I won't do it. But then he would have been in violation of the covenant. And that would have meant that God could take everything he had, including Isaac, and there would be no descendants. This was a big deal. But Abraham immediately makes preparations to go on the journey to Mount Moriah. He does not understand how, but he knows who. He knows there must be a reason God wants Isaac to be offered as a blood sacrifice, but he doesn't understand it. Could it be because he, Abraham, has committed some grievous sin? He's running these things over in his mind. What about the promise that through Isaac... Shall your seed be called? How can God receive a blood sacrifice and a burnt offering of Isaac's body and still fulfill the covenant promise of Isaac having children? How? How, God? How? I know Abraham must have been silently praying all the way to Mount Moriah. He did not understand. But he was not going to withhold anything from God. He was in covenant with God. He was in covenant with Almighty God. And he had God's promise in covenant through Isaac, your seed shall be called. And he was going to do what God requested. He would offer Isaac as God requested, as a burnt offering, pour his blood out on the altar, but then he was going to turn right around and stand on that same covenant and require God to fulfill his end of the deal. Somehow, he would have to resurrect Isaac. Abraham did not know the how, but he knew who could. He knew who. And that was good enough for him. 
After all, didn't God himself tell Abraham and identify himself as Almighty God? There's nothing that God cannot do. Well, Abraham thinks to himself, we're going to fulfill what God wants, and then he's obligated to fulfill what I want. Amen. We know Abraham understands what this blood sacrifice is about. That he had taught Isaac what it meant. And for three days they walk, Isaac carrying the wood for the fire, symbolic of Jesus carrying the cross. And then Abraham sees the place, what's now Jerusalem, back then it was Mount Moriah. And we know Isaac knows what's going on. Because when Abraham leaves the service behind and just takes Isaac and the wood and the fire, Isaac says, uh, uh, Dad, where's the lamb? And I can just visualize Abraham looking up towards heaven, pausing, and then under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says, God will provide himself a lamb, son. I believe Abraham must have explained what he was believing about the covenant rights, how he had continually asked God to do things, and God did them, never asking for anything in return. But now, all God asked for was the most precious thing Abraham had, and it was in line with how covenants operated, how he was going to fulfill what God asked him to do, but he was then, and I tell him, I could visualize him telling Isaac all this, explain to him, he was then going to stand on this same covenant promise that God made through Isaac shall your seed be called. He didn't know how God was going to do it, but he believed God would do it. Somehow, God would fulfill his part of the covenant, and he would have to resurrect Isaac from the dead. And Abraham probably promised Isaac, I'm going to stand on that promise and hold God to it. I believe Abraham was not going to come back down off that mountain without Isaac. He'd stay right there, fasting and praying if necessary, until he died, if God did not fulfill his part of the covenant. And I think part of that is, uh, you know, notice when Abraham left, he didn't explain to Sarah or Sarah what was going on. He was not going to return home to Sarah and tell her what happened. Uh, have you ever heard of that mother bear syndrome? Oh, she waited 90 years for that boy, and Abraham did what? Nah, he didn't want to face Sarah, hey amen. Nope, no way. So Abraham was willing to stay up on that mountaintop till Isaac was raised from the dead or he died. One of the two was going to happen. But he was going to sit right there and continually remind God about the covenant and tell him, I upheld my end of the deal. Now it's your turn. And I believe Isaac understood it too. I believe he willingly got on that altar and allowed himself to be tied up. I believe that because Abraham was old and Isaac was young. He could have easily beat the old man and tied him up. Amen? Or the next verse would have said, and Isaac ran off. But it doesn't say that. It doesn't say he ran away as fast as he could go into the land of Egypt and live there the rest of his days. No, it doesn't say that. Amen? It says that Isaac was placed on the altar. And Abraham probably, and I say probably because I know what I would be doing, really, Really, I don't think I could have offered my son in that situation. But that's why I was born in this day and time and not in Abraham's time and place. Amen? I'm just being real here. You're probably just like me. Anyway, glory to God. I say probably Abraham said a prayer of dedication and reminded God about the covenant that through Isaac shall your seed be called. But Lord, you said to offer him as a burnt sacrifice, so that's what I'm doing now. I dedicate and give my son to you. Because you asked me to. And he raised that knife, the Bible says, and I believe an angel grabbed his hand in midair. And he heard God call out his name, Abraham, Abraham, father of many nations. And Abraham responded to that call, I am the father of many nations. Here I am. 
And God said, don't do it. Don't do it. For now I know you love me and that you will not withhold anything from me, not even your only son. That's in verse 12. And Abraham looked up and seen a goat stuck in the bush by the horns. Now that goat was not there when they were walking up to the top of that hill or they'd have seen it. God had that goat there at the appointed time and the appointed place. What I want you to see here is that goat died in place of Isaac. Think about that. You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time when we gather together around the word of god be blessed and remember we serve an awesome god with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.